I'd invite you to get out your Bibles. We're going to be in the beginning and in the middle. And I, I hope this doesn't scare you, but I've actually brought two today. It's a scary day when the pastor has like two Bibles because we're going to need them. But um, anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. So we're, for those of y'all visiting for the first time or if you've missed a week or two, we're in the middle of a series called Finding God. And we're on the hunt, actually. We know that God can be found in church and we know that God can be found as we read the scriptures and in our private quiet times. But we also have this belief that God is out there in our world. Is out there in our city if we just open our eyes to see because we know that God loves not only people who have already found their way home but people who are still looking and so you've challenged me to find God at school that was the first Sunday and then to find God at Pooty's Bar and Grill and we did that last Sunday um, that'll be online if you if you still think I probably wasn't able to do that because you weren't here um, that'll be online so you can check that out and this week we're doing Pace Bend Park uh, and I thought, as I was thinking about Pace Ben Park, oh, thank goodness there's an easy one, right? I mean, if you're going to have all these challenging places, it seems God should be there, and in fact was there in abundance in a place as beautiful as Pace Ben Park. So I want to read you the scripture that we'll, we'll begin with today, and you'll find this in Genesis chapter 2. It's at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, really, I, I feel very blessed to be your pastor, not least of all because of my office. Have y'all ever seen my office? It's over there. And I have my computer right here, and then I have a window. Whoops, there's a communication card. I have a window that looks out over this, the place where Bee Creek empties into Lake Travis. And y'all, as far as pastoral offices in the conference, <laughs> jackpot. I mean, <laughs> don't y'all go telling anybody because I don't want some sneaky pastor to come in here and steal all this good church, you know. Um, but this is wonderful as far as offices go. I love it. So if you, you know, if I'm talking on the phone with y'all or if I'm in the office, I'm usually looking out that window at the lake. I also live in Briarcliff, and so we have a marina where you can get into the lake if you so desired, and we have a restaurant overlooking the marina, and I've eaten lunch there. And so we went, we knew when we came here, we, we were excited because this is an outdoor lover's paradise, right? You can go kayaking, you can go biking. We have both those things. You can go hiking with the kids. One of the first things we thought we'd do, and we didn't do it before because it's like a monthly pass, but we were like, we're going to get a pass to Pace Bend Park because everybody says it's great. We're going to go out there with the kids all the time. We're going to do it. So as I drove there on Monday to see Pace Ben Park and look for God, I have to admit something. It was the first time I'd gone. I've been here almost three months, and it's not because I don't love that kind of thing that I hadn't been there. You want to know why I hadn't been there? I was too busy. Exactly. I didn't take the time to go. Um, and as a pastor, pastors are really bad about this. We're supposed to be good examples, but every time I go to like a district professional, there's some pastor who's saying, well, I put in another 60-hour work week this week. And if you're like, well, I worked 40, they're like, mm, well, you're not really working for the Lord then, you know. I mean, you're not really. 
we work for God, y'all. So, you know, you put in the hours because you're working for God. Well, I try. I know that God also told us to rest, so I try to build in rest. But what happens is on my day of rest, I am usually doing laundry or cleaning the house or running errands that need to be done or getting important things done or sometimes I just am still working. And so the truth of it is, though I would love to be out at Pacebin Park, I had been too busy, quote unquote. So we drove out there and I felt a little bad about that as we drove in, like a little bit of a reproach just even coming in that here's the place that we had been saying we would be resting as a family and this was the first time and it was only because I was on assignment from work that I was there, okay? So we drive in and we, we don't have a map. We haven't been there before. We see all these little dirt roads and we decided, well, let's see what's down a dirt road. Well, there is beauty down the dirt roads out there. So we drove down just this random dirt road, and we found this beautiful cove, just gorgeous. And we got out, and this little short, short, tiny little hike, you can get down on this rock ledge. I'm sure there's lots of places like this. But you're down on this rock ledge, still above the water. This beautiful place, the sun is setting over our shoulders. The birds are singing in the trees. It's so quiet that the girls of course, start tossing rocks in the cove. And at first they begin with the huge ones that make a full whomp when they hit, right? And then the ripples go way out. But then they figured out, I think we helped them figure this out, that you could throw pebbles the size of almost a grain of sand, almost, just a tiny little bit of weight. And if you dropped them and then listened, you could hear those little tiny whispers of ripples echoing up to us. And so we sat there for an hour, at least, dropping pebbles, looking around, just being and relaxing. And I found God, all right. I did. But for the first time, and I've been doing, I've been a pastor eight years, and almost since the beginning, I have been um, allowing congregational participation to send me to these places to look for God. Y'all are the first ones to send me to a park. The first ones. Too easy, right? You know, first ones. But we're at Lake Travis now. We're Lake People. So we want to find God on the lake. People, other people have sent me to tattoo parlors, to bars. Y'all are familiar with that. To nightclubs, like the college kids in San Angelo said, yeah, look for God at Graham Central Station. Okay, so there are women dancing in cages at Graham Central Station. That's where I had to look for God. These are challenging places to find God. But I'll tell you, the first time that I felt a reproach, Like when I went to that place and I felt like God was saying, "Mm, you need to correct something, was at Pacebin Park. And that was in when I got there for the first time, when I've lived by the water and looked at it and admired it, but only ever seen it from a distance. And the first time I get over there, it's because I'm working. God said to me, there's something not right here. Something not right. Jesus um, didn't have this problem that I have. He's the model, right? He didn't have this problem. He was the most important person ever and the most vital. A lot of times we tell ourselves, I can't stop working because I am so crucial, right? I am so important. Jesus was more important than you are. Sorry. He was, okay? He's more important than I am. He's more powerful. He's more necessary. When people encounter Jesus, everything that was broken in their bodies could be set right everything that was broken in their hearts and their souls and their relationships was set right if there was ever a necessary person in this world it's our lord 
And yet he didn't have this problem of not having time to get away and rest. And you would think he would have. So now I want you to turn to the book of Mark. About this far in. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, as you find your spot. Mark is the oldest gospel. That means it was written the first. It has no birth narrative. So you don't have any of the stories of the shepherds or um, the baby in the manger or how an angel came to Mary. Nothing like that. Mark just jumps into the action. This is a book of action. And this is why I brought my other translation. This is a good translation. This is the New Revised Standard Version. And it's more like literal of a translation. And so I wanted to show you what the key word, and I'm going to, here's a bonus question. I don't expect y'all to know this, but maybe you do. What is the transition word in Mark? And that, what I mean is, when something's going to happen, a writer could say, and then, or next, or a little later, does anybody know what Mark uses as his transition word? Uh, Close. Now what? Immediately. Very good. Bonus points. He uses the word immediately. Immediately. So look at first. Luke and well, yeah. Okay. No, no, it's John. He's the last one. Um, So look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And then you'll look into 18. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And 20, immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee. This is just a taste of how often Mark uses the word immediately. This is a gospel of movement. It's a gospel of action. I wanted to show you, if you look at chapter 1, verse 9, Jesus is on the scene. Okay, so already by verse 9, Mark is through with the chit-chat. You know, we're not going to, here's the introduction. Here comes Jesus, verse 9. By verse 14, five verses later, his ministry begins. So in five verses, he accomplishes the baptism and the temptation in the wilderness, and we're on to the ministry beginning, right? In verse 17, he's calling the disciples. Ministry begins, we've got the disciples, boom, 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 boom. We're getting things done. And by verse 28, he's a sensation, People are coming to hear him. They're crowding around. He's healing the sick. He's teaching them. That is how fast things are moving in the gospel of Mark. It's a gospel of action. And so the surprising thing to me, and I'll close this one, and I'll go back to my New Living Translation. The surprising thing to me is how in the beginning of all of that action, we have Jesus resting. Look at verse 35. Is it 35? Yes. No, it's, yeah, it's 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, is that immediately? They gave him some time. Like, they didn't, you know, you can imagine if you get up and Jesus is gone, you're like, maybe he'll be back. How long would it take until you think, maybe he's not coming back. We better go look for him. It took a while. He was gone a while. They go out and they, they went to find him. Um, He was in an isolated place, so it had to take them a while. They had to hunt. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. So true. There are people with all of these needs, needy people who Jesus has left in need to go off by himself and pray. 
He had given them the slip, right? My mom was pretty good at giving us the slip. We, she was a single mom, and so it was kind of a necessity thing that she had kids. Um, from the time I was four, that's when my parents got divorced, and my sister was two, and my brother was an infant. Um, and as we grew up, we would occasionally lose my mother. Like, we would just be, you know, doing whatever we were doing, and all of a sudden we'd look up and we'd realize nobody's mediating this fight. Oh, my gosh. Or if I'm crying, nobody really seems to care that I'm pitching a fit or whatever it was. And we'd be like, oh, where is mom? We knew she hadn't left us, you know, but we'd, we'd walk around the house. We'd call for her. And finally, as we got older, we started to know where she could always be found. The one room with a lock on the door. Do you all know what that room is in our old house? The bathroom, right. So I always expected, or I always thought when I was growing up, well, mom just needs to go to the bathroom a lot and stay in there a while, you know? I don't know. Because we'd like bang on the door, uh, mommy, you know, Amy stole my toy, or Greg hit me, or Greg's being annoying, or Laura is being such a jerk. We know, we'd say all that. Mom would say, I'll be out in a minute. <laughs> mommy, we need you now. I'll be out in a minute, sweetie. <laughs> well, who, who can argue with that? I mean, she's going to the bathroom or whatever. Well, it turns out that as I grew older, my mom told me, we were talking about that one day, Mom, remember how much you used to go to the bathroom all the time, you know? And she was like, I was hiding. <laughs> I was hiding from you. That was the one room where you couldn't come because there was a lock on the door. I knew you'd be okay. I just needed some space to myself. Have you found that trick? Could we learn that trick? Could we find, like Jesus did, an isolated place, a door with a lock, where when the world comes banging, we can say, just a minute, I'll be out in a little while, I'll get to you, but not right now. You see, when I was, and actually I hope that I can convey this to y'all, when I was preaching to the first service, they were looking at me like this. Like, oh, I need to be resting, and I haven't been, and now I feel so terrible. Oh, no, smile at me, because I'm telling you about a gift. This is a gift that God doesn't say to us, get to work. God says, work passionately. We have scriptures that talk about whatever you're doing, do it as if you're doing it for Jesus. Awesome. So if I'm doing the laundry, work at it like it's for Jesus. I could resonate with that. But then God says, and rest purposefully. Make time for a break. What a gift. Make time once every week for a break. That's what God did, right? In Genesis, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work. And here's a little um, check for us. Are we more important than God? That God could rest? But I can't. I'm too important. Okay, you don't have that excuse anymore. You don't. Are we more important than Jesus? Jesus had people who were broken, physically broken, emotionally broken, longing to find the door which he wanted to show to them, and yet he snuck off to rest because he knew you can't always be the one giving. Sometimes you need to be the one receiving the resting of our souls so that we can go back into the fray. 
if you go to Mark 6, um, it's no surprise that by the sixth chapter, Jesus has already sent the disciples out on their own. And they've had this amazing mission. And remember, he said there's, there's so much to do and so few people to do it. So you guys go out, go in my power, do what I do, teach people about me. They come back. They tell him all that they've done. It's, I mean, their faces are lighting up and the crowd is still pressing around them. They've done all this stuff, and the Bible says the crowd is still pressing around them. I mean, they're still, one gospel says they couldn't even eat. That's how busy they were, and I know y'all know how that is. We've all had days when we're so busy we can't even eat. And what does Jesus say to them? He looks at their haggard faces and all the people in need, and what does he say? Boy, get to work. We're going to be pulling an all-nighter. Y'all are like, I don't know. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 31. Then Jesus said, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. He looks at them. He sees all the work they've done. He sees that there is still a need. And he says, you know what? It's time we got away and rested. And they do. At least they try. Sometimes people track you down. But... And the people did that. But Jesus invites us, his followers, to not just be working for him all the time, but to be resting. It's a gift. I was on a vacation a couple years ago with my dad. We go out, I know you all know, we go out to the McDonald Observatory way out in deep west Texas in the Davis Mountains. And we we were in our hotel room. And I had time to just sit and look at things. And so there was a mimosa tree. We were on the second floor, and there was this mimosa tree out there. And I love those trees. And in the middle of this tree, like at the heart by the trunk, right outside our window was a nest. It was a morning dove on a nest with little babies. And I spent so much time watching that dove. I spent so much time watching her, just resting and watching her, that I figured something out. Um, I figured out that she had to at least, unruly babies, and that she was sitting on them because they weren't ready to fly. And so one of them would, like, wiggle and poke its head out, and she'd kind of put the wing back over it and smoosh it on back down and sit back down on it, right? And we always hear that scripture about how God is like a mother bird, right, will cover us with wings. And I always had thought about that as, like, when we're afraid, there's a place of safety where we can be tucked. Um, When we're feeling the cold chill of life, God will cover us and warm us. But, y'all, this was July. These babies were not afraid. They were not cold. They were unruly. And what she 